Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. All right, welcome in. Cube Show podcast, a college football podcast. Usually comes to you on Sunday. Hoping to get it out to you on Sunday. Today, I was able to get to Charlotte pretty quickly after being in Lexington over the weekend. Man, tough loss for the Wildcats. And keep in mind, before we get going, we're brought to you by... Wickles Pickles, each and every week, wickedly delicious. They're the title sponsor of the show. We always appreciate them. Had a lot of you guys tweet in that you got your first Wickles Pickles jar. If they don't have them in your grocery store or at your local restaurants, go to wicklespickles.com, order some, use promo code CUBE, C-U-B-E. You can save 15%. It's just that easy. So go check them out today and find out exactly what Wickles Pickles is all about because they are delicious and we love them. We snack on them. Recipes right there on Instagram. Uh, at Wickles Pickles. They got a lot of different things that they do with them. Really cool. So go check those out. Uh, Lexington over the weekend. Man, it was fun. It's a, it's a beautiful place. I love that town. I love the people. Everybody inside that athletic department is great to us. Uh, Susan Lax and all the guys are all, they're just fantastic. Uh, Coach Stoops and his staff, always great. Liam Cohen's a lot of fun. Love talking ball with him. Brad White is excellent. Uh, it's just always a good weekend. And of course, there's a lot going on. Keelum was running. Um, you had Big Blue Madness on Friday night, so it was a big weekend in Lexington. Uh, football weather until probably like middle of the third quarter, and then we got some of that just like constant sleet, which is miserable. Um, I think it affected the game just a little bit from a passing perspective. Neither team able to get it going through the air, um, and it was it was cool to kind of just get around a couple of those guys, a couple of those coaches. We've seen so much of these two teams and what they do well, whether it's Ray Davis on the ground, seeing if Devin Leary can get it going, some of those Kentucky receivers, that offensive line looks better. And then obviously Missouri is just having a hell of a year. Brady Cook, totally different guy. Really enjoyed talking with Kirby Moore about him and his progression and what they've done. I thought it was interesting. Kirby Moore said, we brought all of my vocabulary in. So all of the wording for the offense is his. They brought that in. Now, very different than what I've told you in the past Coach Saban does with his offense and what Kirby Smart said they were going to do with their offense. That's what Cedric Van Pran at Media Days was one that told us that, that it's all staying the same under Mike Bobo. Kirby Moore bringing all his stuff in. And then technically, fundamentally, he talked about just kind of some of the footwork with Brady Cook, the grip on the football. He's having a great year. And I thought this was a really impressive win for Missouri to be able to go and get this one. 38-21, they beat Kentucky on the road at night where Kentucky's usually a different football team. And uh, Cook goes 19 to 29, 167 yards. He had a touchdown and a pick. The pick, not great. But also, it wasn't a lot of Cody Schrader. I think Schrader ran for 70 yards. Um, So Missouri able to go find a way to win this game, not doing the things that they had been doing incredibly well this year that had led to them winning football games or even being tight with LSU in the one game that they dropped. Um, now, still, the defensive line was active. The defense was super physical. That didn't really change a whole lot. But the fact that you can go in, and I, I'm, I'm going to say this about this game right, right here. Um, I'm not sure I have seen a game, the momentum, 
what I thought it was, collectively, honestly, us as a, as a crew, what we thought it was, shift on one play the way that this game did. Um, Missouri was left for dead. This game was over. Uh, Kentucky was going to run away with it. First two drives, boom, boom, boom. They're running the football. They look dominant. Missouri has no answers. Brady Cook unsettled. And Ray Davis is going. The crowd's into it. And you thought 14 nothing. that's it. This game's over. And then here comes Luke Bauer, fake, fake, uh, fake punt. He throws a touchdown pass. Missouri goes up and gets it. They make a play on it. I talked to Coach Stoops uh, during uh, coming out of halftime. He said they, they, were, they weren't pointing out that they knew it was coming. They just saw the formation that they didn't like and weren't sure if it was legal. And so they were trying to give the guys heads up that it was a little something different. Um, either way, Missouri makes that play, and it's like everything changed. Then came a little bit of weather. It cooled off a little bit. Some of the fans left. Like The whole vibe changed after that play. And I don't know if, if Devin Leary put a little more pressure on himself, uh, if they started chasing points a little bit too early, because I did feel like maybe they got away from Ray Davis a little bit too quickly. But I think it also allowed that Missouri front to just tee off and play a different style of football. Uh, this game was chippy, uh, really, for four quarters. The two, they were, there were a lot of words that were exchanged throughout the entire thing. Being down there on the sidelines, seeing it, a lot of guys going at each other uh, after plays, during timeouts. Uh, even Drink had a little something to say, you know, coming off before the half. I don't know who he was talking to or what he was saying. I didn't hear that, but he wouldn't tell me who it was. But there was a lot going on from that perspective. It was a physical game. It, it really was. Um, and then once it all changed, Kentucky just could not protect. And they could not find ways to allow Devin Leary extra time to just sit back and be able to get things done in the pocket. So, I, I, I mean, I look at it and, you know, Kentucky's usually a different team at home, especially at night. Leary was 14 to 27, 120 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. Kentucky's longest play was a 31-yard pass to Jordan Dingle, the tight end. Um, Ray Davis, 20 for 128. Like I said, he was excellent. I do think no Trevin Wallace on defense made a big impact. I think that was a big portion of why the defense just didn't look the way that they needed to at times. Um, he is an impact player, blitzing, sideline to sideline, physicality. Like he is a do-it-all-everything at linebacker off the ball, and he makes a lot happen. Um, Maxwell Harrison got another pick, had three tackles. You know, he's been playing well for Kentucky this year. But, you know, another part of it, I mean, and Kentucky outrushed Missouri in this game. But you turn it over three times. I don't care if you're home, road, neutral, whatever, better team, worse team. You turn it over three times, lose the turnover battle three to one, and you have 14 flags for 122 yards, you're not winning that game. You're just not. And these are two teams that were very close in how they were built, their explosive nature, what they did well. Like it was a, it was a really tight matchup, I felt like. Being at home was going to be a big advantage. But you turn it over three times and have 14 penalties for 122 yards, you're probably not going to win a lot of games. All that being said, I do still think Kentucky has a lot to play for. I still think they can put a good season together. I still think there are some winnable games left on the schedule. There are some games that they're going to have to play really good football. First thing's going to have to be cleaning up Devin Leary. I talked to some guys on the NC State staff that said they feel like him not going a little bit faster and him huddling up is maybe something slowing him down, that the processing is kind of something that's there. But Liam Cohen told us they're, they're simplifying things, they're doing things to try to make it easier, to try to make it better, and for whatever reason, it's just not there. He's a bit of a gunslinger. It's something I didn't really think when I watched his NC State film, but talking to some folks last week and this week, 
uh, that were with him there and that are with him now and that have been around it the last few weeks. It's one of the things that I, I've been told is that, you know, he wants to prove how hard he can throw it sometimes. He wants to fit it in different times, and it's just not always there. Um, as far as the kind of teammate he is and the worker and diligent and putting in the work, he is all of that. And I think he is he has the leadership to be an SEC quarterback. Uh, and apparently they had a great week of practice. Uh, coaches told us, I had a guy tell me that uh, in practice this week on Wednesday in one of the racks that he had, he had two of the best throws that he's had all year, and he comes off smiling and one of the assistant coaches says, man, that's the first time I've seen you smile in like two months. Um, so this team's just got to find some continuity, in my opinion. They've got to find some things to be excited about, happy about. They need confidence. And they've got to find a way to just build the togetherness because it feels like there's some guys kind of doing their own things. And not in a negative way, but it's just that collective understanding of, hey, we just need to do anything we can to find a way to win a game. It's not like it's all there. Um, before we move on to the next game, though, I think we learned last week, I told you guys I love telling you like good things, great things about college football. And Ray Davis, uh, his story has been told a couple of times, um, you know, being homeless at times growing up, started out at Temple, went to Vanderbilt, and then now he's at Kentucky, uh, a, very, a very difficult childhood, and somebody whose game I respect the hell out of. Um, we talked about him in the offseason, if you've been with us since then that he was one of the better gets in the SEC, and nobody was talking about it. Um, I want to share a clip with you because we're, we're doing access for our TV broadcast, and we mic'd up Ray Davis pregame. This was unsolicited. Uh, I had never met him. I had never spoken to him personally. I don't, I don't know the young man. And he sought me out before the game and came up, and I wanted to give you guys just a little bit of, of what it sounded like. How you doing, bro? How you doing? I just wanted to meet you. Why is that? Thank what? you for always supporting me. Shit, man. You're fun to watch. Appreciate you, man. You don't, need my, you don't need to say thank you to me. You earned all that. Yes, sir. You earned it. Yes, sir. I just wanted to say it face to face. I appreciate it. No, man, I appreciate that. I love thank watching you play ball, man. Yes, sir. I appreciate that. How's it going? It's going good, you know. Taking one day at a time. Yep. Enjoying that success while I'm What's your favorite run play? Uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I like gap scheme. Got the it's working. Going in. Yeah. We were just talking about it. Yeah, train, the, yeah. train loco, gap scheme. That's nice. I was telling him I'm interested to see how they play it because, like, Florida. Yeah, they were. How do you bounce it out? Yeah, they would. I mean, we knew all week we were going to have to probably log that and be a bounce. I was about whether our second puller can wrap around, grab that linebacker. But these guys are more downhill, so they'll kind of see it. The backside should be open if they're slowly playing over it, which would be good. Some tight zone. I like tight zone. I think these guys are gap gap sound in a way. But, you know, I think once you wear them down, they'll start opening up. They play a lot of man coverage, so it's about one-on-one battles between that backside linebacker and me. If we can get me in space, try to go one-on-one, put him in open field tackling. You see in Memphis, they struggled with that a little bit. So you look at that, you go, okay, let's see what we can do in open space. Try to tear them down with that, then get back in the box, see how they do lateral. I mean, these guys got motors, but four straight quarters, see how it goes. Dave, my favorite trip? Pass Pro. Oh, yeah. Hey, I'm a small guy. I got to take pride in that, man. I put you on the block party on my Monday night show. Hey. Roman, Roman was like, we got running back in here. I was like, hell yeah, watch this shit. Man, hey, I got to lay them out every now and then. I love it. Appreciate that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Pretty cool stuff from a kid that is leading the SEC in rushing and has no reason to come up and talk to some old analyst that really he doesn't even know. Uh, but you could just see right there, like no ego, no, I mean, no arrogance, no cockiness. Like just came up to thank me for the nice things that I've been saying about him and for the support. So, I mean, I, just, I was blown away. 
uh, and it was cool to get to talk to him and, and, and just it was it was a lot of fun. He, he's a great kid and again, five and two, Kentucky still has a lot of things in front of him. Now six and one for Missouri in the middle of October, and man, they get South Carolina at home next. Kentucky's going to get a week off, uh, and then they're going to get Tennessee at home. They need that environment to be good. Tennessee looked good this weekend, but they have a little, they have some issues we're going to talk about as well. So uh, one thing that has no issues is Blue Delta jeans, uh, the most comfortable denim that you're ever going to wear, uh, the most comfortable pair of jeans I've ever had. I'll have them on tomorrow night on Read and React. 6 p.m. on the SEC Network when Roman Harper and I are going through all the games. Um, you will love Blue Delta Jeans. Uh, go to BlueDeltaJeans.com, custom fit denim, premium denim. You can dress them up. You can dress them down, casual, nice, date night, whatever. And it's the only pair of jeans you're ever going to need. Multiple colors, multiple styles, multiple fabrics. Go check them out. Tell them you heard of them right here on Cube Show. Uh, you will not regret it. Uh, I mentioned Tennessee, so let's go there. I thought this was one of the bigger games of the weekend, if not the biggest game of the weekend in the SEC. Um, for a couple of different reasons. Texas A&M goes down to Tennessee 20-13. to A&M now 4-3, Tennessee 5-1. A um, little bit of a new outlook on the SEC East in the back end of the schedule here with what happened this weekend. We'll, we'll cover all of it. Um, now, was the pass game where it needed to be for Tennessee? No. But again, kind of what we said about Missouri, they're finding different ways to win games and I think you give them a lot of credit for that. Like I think, you, I think you're, you have to be excited about that part of it because this is a team's going out and winning games in a little bit of a different way than maybe what we thought they would at the beginning of the season. So I think that's a real positive. Um, you know, I think the run game was what allowed Tennessee to be able to do what they did. The offensive line was not perfect, not by any stretch of the imagination. Um, however, uh, I think that they... They showed up and they played a physical style football game. Uh, I think they showed up and, and wanted to be dominant, tried to be dominant. And because of that, it allowed them to be able to run their offense the way that they needed to, the way that they wanted to. And a big reason why Tennessee was able to get that win. In my opinion, the reason Tennessee gets that win is what the defensive line did. Um, Karak Garland, 99, I thought he made some plays. Byron Eason inside made some plays, did some things. But Tyler Barron off the edge, uh, Roman Harrison off the edge, whew, those guys were ripping. And we've talked a little bit previously about just kind of what that group is capable of, what they can do, what they can be. I think it's the biggest difference in this Tennessee football team this year as opposed to last year, and that is – what they are capable of doing off the edge. James Pierce had it going off the edge. Now, Amari Thomas and those guys still did some things inside. I thought the linebackers played fairly well. But it, they almost made it to where it didn't matter if the second and third level were great in this game. Now, they did tackle well. You didn't see a lot of yards after catch for Texas A&M. I thought the A&M backs ran the ball hard. Like I thought Le'Veon Moss ran hard. Um, I thought when, when, like, when he did find a little bit of a crease in space, he ran hard. I thought Ruin Obens, too, I thought he ran hard. But there just was not a lot of space. This Tennessee defensive line physically dominated the Texas A&M offensive line. Max Johnson didn't have time. He was moving in the pocket. He was trying to run out of the pocket. He, uh, now, and a couple of his receivers made some really nice plays down the field. Um, you know, I mean, a couple of those guys like Noah Thomas had a big catch. Evan Stewart had a big catch. I thought Max Wright did some nice things at tight end, but I also thought, and I've said this about this A&M plan for a while, 
Anaya Smith has to become more of a focal point, force feed him the football. Like, look what Georgia did with Brock Bowers early. We're going to talk about it later, but, I mean, it's like quick throw, handoff, jet sweep, quick pass, get him out in the flat. They are making sure he touches the football early. I don't know why Anaya Smith can't be that kind of a guy. And I'm not saying he needs to be the feature player to where he touches the ball 30 times a game, but get him going east-west, get him going sideline to sideline to where the defense has to respect him, trying to loosen up the box just a little bit. Uh, I also think from a screen perspective, different style run perspective, there's other things that they could do to help this offensive line out a little bit. Uh, The presentation of it all has changed, but there needs to be a little bit of going back to the drawing board as to what this group can handle and what they can't handle because they have been dominated recently and they were dominated in this game. This is one of those weird games. I was talking to former Kentucky center Drake Jackson before our game, and we were talking about different games when you watch them on film. And, like, even some of you guys do this in the comments. You're like, man, it sounds like we got our tails kicked in. I thought we blew them out. Some games, when you watch them on film, the score is not indicative of what you see. Uh, just like sometimes you'll see a box score and say the same thing based on how, how you felt it went. Um, this game, watching it on film, did not feel close. It, if you were just watching the film and not seeing what the scoreboard said, and let's say the, the touchdowns were taken away and you just didn't know if anybody had scored, I'd have felt like Tennessee won this game by 35. That's the way it looked on film. I'm just, I'm just telling you the way it appeared to be on film. Um, now, A&M tried to play light in the box. They couldn't do it. Tennessee kept running the football. And you know, outside of like McKinley Jackson, yes, they have big, stout, badass defensive linemen, but most of them are kind of edgy. I thought Shamar Turner still had a good game. I thought he played well. I thought he did a lot of good things. I think Edron Cooper's playing at a really high level for A&M right now. But when you try to play four or five in the box and you can't stop the run, then you have to do one of two things. You bring the extra defender down, it gives you the quick throws, and you lose the numbers there. Or you start moving around, and DJ did a little bit of that, and it's hit and miss when you do that. We'll talk about that with multiple defenses today. When you start to slant and you start to stunt and you start to walk up and go simulated pressures, you hit some. And then sometimes you get hit, and it just so happened they got hit a few more times. But once again, it's not as though the Tennessee offensive line just bulldogged these A&M defensive linemen off the football and drove them back 10 yards and did those kind of things. But physically, they matched what A&M brought, and not a lot of teams have been able to do that this year. A&M has almost dominated every offensive line they've played, and they weren't able to do that to Tennessee And these backs for Tennessee, they hit it so hard. Like, they take the ball and they go. Like, Jalen Wright gets north and south in a hurry. I thought he was good. I thought Milton's legs were massive for the Tennessee offense, some by design. Remember last week we talked about the bye week, Joe getting that knee healthy. Was there a rib issue getting that healthy? And his legs were big for the Tennessee offense. Designed a few to keep him honest and then left the pocket and got a couple on his own. Is he playing great football? No, he's not. I'm not going to throw the towel in on him because a couple of the balls down the field could have been gotten. Um, We're going to say this with a couple of teams. Receivers got to start helping kids out. Like receivers got to help Devin Leary out at Kentucky. Too many drops. Auburn receivers, help them out. Make a play. Yards after catch. Break a tackle. Go watch LSU play. Those kids do that. It's a big piece of what they do. The Alabama guys, they do that. The Georgia guys, they do that. So if, if you're not getting yards after catch and you can't utilize catch and run, you're going to be very limited at what you can do. Go back to Kentucky again, 31 yards, longest play of the game. Got to have explosive plays. You have to. 
And it's one of the things I thought A&M, the only explosives they had were like contested catches going up to get the football. There weren't a lot of other explosives after that. Were there some weird coaching decisions down the stretch again? Maybe if you want to say that, but I don't think that's why they lost the game. I think they lost the game because they couldn't protect their quarterback. And I think they lost the game because they couldn't establish the run. Therefore, the offense wasn't balanced. And that allowed Tim Banks to bring a very aggressive plan to the table, and he did. And he could also be aggressive by still staying too deep, which was going to limit some of those explosive plays. It's what Blake Baker did, Missouri D coordinator, kind of going back to that one. He could do whatever he wanted up front, and those guys could tee off in their pass rush. But he stays two, three deep the whole time. You're not getting explosives. You're not, you're not breaking any off. And it's one thing that happened to that group. So uh, Tennessee still struggling on the – or A&M still struggling off the road. Uh, they're going to be off, and then they're going to get South Carolina at home. Um, you know, I thought Tyreek Chapel did some good things in the secondary for A&M. Um, just no consistent pressure. The D-line got out of their gaps at times. And I missed mean, the fewest points they've scored in the game this year, 13. So eight straight road loss. Not great. Just, just I mean, really, it's just not – it just didn't look great. Uh, five of 15 on third down. It's just uh, – I didn't – I didn't like a lot of the plan and how it went and what was going. Um, like I said, I thought the backs were pretty good. A couple of guys individually on defense played well, but collectively it just it's, it's, it wasn't going to be what you needed to beat that team at home because uh, Tennessee, uh, uh, they are a different team at home. All right, uh, Alabama takes down Arkansas uh, 24-21, and, boy, Arkansas made this thing a lot more interesting than we thought it was going to be. I just don't. A lot of people thought Bama was going to run away with this, thought it was going to be a blowout, didn't think that they were going to be in this game, and it ends up being just an awesome game. Speaking of awesome, we're brought to you today by Manscaped, who's taking a step up from Balloween to bring your face the cleanest shave you've ever seen. So this season, no need to toil and trouble. Manscaped's all-new handyman is the best way to get rid of that stubble. I need to get mine out and get going right now. Featuring a compact design and next-gen skin-safe technology, the handyman designed to give you that smooth finish without the mess of a traditional shave. Get the sweetest treat this Halloween by going to manscaped.com and use code C-U-B-E. Get 20% off the handyman today. Now, maybe spooky season, but you don't want to scare people off with a scraggly beard. Don't want that. Give them something to look at with Manscaped's handyman. If you're tired of bad razor making your neck look like a scary movie, with the technology to help reduce nicks and cuts, you can finally feel confident when you go in with a close shave. Get 20% off and free shipping with promo code CUBE, C-U-B-E, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with promo code CUBE for a look as sweet as candy. Get yourself the handyman from Manscaped. All right, uh, Jalen Milrow, 10-21, 238, two touchdowns, no picks. Uh, Bama had seven tackles for loss. The problem was... Arkansas was in Alabama's backfield the entire time. What do we keep saying about this Arkansas team? A quarterback who can make plays and a defensive line, really front seven, that's active. That's going to keep them in a lot of games. It's going to help them pull a couple of upsets down the stretch too. Um, This Alabama offense is really weird to me right now. Um, I like some of the things that Tommy's doing. He's He's creative in the run game. Later in the game, they got really creative in the run game. Some of the split zone stuff, then they go duo, which is kind of a north-south run. Uh, you know, Some of the pull, pin-pull stuff that they had, I like it, uh, but it's just not consistent. Like Once they got it going, and then it's like they get away from it again. It almost feels like, and I'm not saying that it is, but it just I get the feeling that this is becoming a shot play offense, that 
75, 80% of the offense is just going to be these shot plays that the receivers are going to go up and get, or you're going to have to force the defense to bust coverages, which actually Tommy drew a couple of those up, and you give him credit for because safety's biting down either on an intermediate route or on the run, and Milrow's smart enough to see it and take advantage and get that play down the field. I would also like to see more design runs with Milrow. I know you have to sort of protect him, but good Lord, he's dynamic. Like He's one of your best playmakers. Utilize that skill set. Get him going. And then when you have to force the defenses to defend that, there's going to be even more for you in the shot game. The problem here is protection. And, yeah, it's an issue. It's, it's left tackle's a problem. You played two, and neither one of them played very well. Right tackle, they got him a couple of times. Landon Jackson's a really good player. I mean, he is a, he is a really good football player. He's long. I mean, he looks like a power forward. So he's one of those guys that, I mean, he's, he's going to have advantages with his length, his arms, his hands, his strength. But I'm just going to tell you guys, like, the, a lot of what I'm seeing is, is technically and fundamentally just falling off, getting away from those fundamentals. Um, there's other guys up front that are tough to deal with. But it, on that defense, like Trajan Jeffcoat's a, a, a guy who coming off the edge can be a problem. A couple of things that I'm seeing from Alabama tackles, and like this is just kind of going nerd and technical. Um, their pass sets, like they get away from the technical side of their pass sets. So it's like two good kicks, and then they just get their feet together or they open their hips up right away. The other thing, and this is, I think this is the main problem with the Alabama tackle, specifically on the left side, and it's both of them, is they carry their hands really low. Some coaches coach this, or some coaches allow their guys to do this. So it's not like it's a big problem. I'm not saying that Eric Wolford is teaching this and it's terrible, but I think specifically for these guys, I'm seeing it become a real problem because you can go watch Trent Williams and he doesn't carry his hands high and he dominates. But what happens is when the sets are kind of poor and they carry their hands really low and they lose that leverage or that base, it's forcing them to punch with their lower body. So instead of striking with just their hands here and keeping their chest and their head back, they're having to utilize their lower body and they're bringing it out wide and they're kind of, they're kind of having to punch with their lower body, and so they're leaning forward. That gets you off balance. That gives you a free line to the quarterback. Um, also, I think what it does for, like, Caden Proctor, he bear hugs a lot, so he gets no punch because those hands are low. You bring them up, and they're automatically going to go out, and then they go out, and your hands are outside the framework. Uh, but I, I, some of the issues I see with carrying the hands low, I mean, think about it. If you have to have a quick punch and your hands are low, you're probably going to automatically lean forward just a little bit. And that's what I'm seeing happen with those Alabama tackles. they got to get it corrected because they're going to get the quarterback killed. And Jalen Milrow is too important to that team right now to have him be knocked out of the lineup because what they go to next is nothing close to what he offers. Um, now, Alabama gets Tennessee at home next. They're 6-1. and one. Arkansas goes to 2-5. and five. They get Mississippi State at home. Mississippi State coming off a bye. Jefferson goes 14-24, 150 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Um, this team has not quit. This team is still fighting. They're still playing hard. Look what Landon Jackson did. Look what Jaheim Thomas did. Look what KJ did, throwing DBs off of him, completing passes. They drive back down to get in this game when it was a two-score game. They make it a one-score game. Like, they're in it late. They're in this game. And a team who had quit on their coach would not have been in this game. So for the folks that are kind of saying, you know, oh, it's time for Sam to go, or, you know, they're just not sure about this, or they don't like this, I just I'm, I could not disagree more. I think the players play for that staff. I think they love that staff. I think they're playing their asses off. 
And, you know, listen, I, I think more quarterback run has to happen. The offensive line's not getting a consistent enough push. It's just the reality. They're just, they're not. I do think seven gives you a little bit more wiggle, the ability to kind of slither in and out of some things. So he might be a better option to get more carries at running back. Eight's going to be a really good tight end. Satanga's got to get going somehow, some way. He is the speed guy on the offense. You've got to get him going and get him being a part of this game plan to force defenses to respect you east, west, and down the field. They don't have a lot of that right now. Four can go catch the football, but he's just not going to separate. Uh, saw Varkey's gums get going at tight end. He catches a pass, so maybe he can help a little bit down the road. They have a lot of young players that are helping them, and I think that that building process is just something that's going to take a little bit of time. But they don't have the offensive line to run what they need to run right now. And if they had more read plays, more RPO plays, and more plays out on the perimeter quickly, you'd empty the box a little bit more and it'd be a little bit easier. So it's just it's not the exact fit that they need, but I do think the kids are still playing hard. Um, they've lost five straight, and that's not a good place to be. I get it. I know that. But I also like the way that, you know, Andrew Armstrong, playmaker, he does good things. Four catches, 48 yards. Satanga, only two catches. Got to get him in the mix more. Um, saw the defense, you know, I thought they played great. I thought they played great football, but they just got to do more. Uh, Vanderbilt goes down to Georgia 37 to 20. Speaking of fighting, Vandy fought, man. Like, they're, they're fighting right now. Like, they are a team that is not going away. Here's what I like about Vanderbilt, too. The offense continues to morph. All right, so now you have a different quarterback, right? And so what do you do? Well, you don't just do the same stuff. You don't do the same things with a quarterback that has different capabilities. Number one, they have become less high risk at quarterback with Ken Seals in the game. And there were, all, there were those decisions that we talked about before where it was going to be 2-3 game that just weren't what you needed and didn't look the way you needed them to be. But now all of a sudden that's changed a little bit. And what I liked about this plan was they spread things out so less formations that had more players close to the line of scrimmage or close to the football. So get defenders out of the box. So they emptied the box a little bit for the Georgia defense. And I think that allowed them to get a couple of things going. Um, I like the quick game, the quick throws. Now, they still need to make a couple of players miss every now and then. I think that would be very beneficial. They're not as reliant on the tight end position, which I think is good. But like Cedric Alexander can go. Get him out in the flat and get him moving and get it rolling. Um, I did not think Ken Seals made a lot of bad decisions. He broke you down with his legs a little bit on a couple zone reads. Hell, he had a good punt one time that got you down inside the 10. Um, he just feels like he has a, a good rhythm and he's making good choices on what he's doing. And that's not just throwing or not throwing or who he's throwing to. Zone read pulls, when to leave the pocket. He's just more risk adverted, and I think that's helping that offense. Uh, Jaden McGowan got going a little bit. You saw Will Shepard only get one ball again. He's got to have more targets down the field. Um, but one thing that I'll say about this Georgia defense is I love how they compress space. And even though that Vanderbilt didn't allow their front to really control this game, what you saw were the guys in the secondary close space so quickly that they're not able to get a lot of run after catch. Tyke Smith had a big game. Kamari Lassiter had a nice game. Malachi Starks had a nice game. Um, this secondary, specifically the safeties, they compress things so quickly, they just give you a lot less to work with. And it looks like you have a lot to work with. But then it's like, boom, somebody's there right on top of you, and you're just not able to get anything going. Smell Monday, I thought, had a good game for the Georgia defense as well. Dominic Lovett, 9 for 72. Uh, Dejon Edwards, 20 for 146 and had a touchdown. He, 
he is really starting to get going as far as being able to see how things are, are going to develop, knowing when to cut back at north and south, the patience getting a little bit better. I think he's going to be a good fit in this offense. The problem is that offensive line is not playing great football right now. Um, I, thought the, I thought left guard struggled in this game. I thought they, they just weren't nasty at the point of attack like they needed to be. I understand the little wins taken out of your sails when Bowers goes out, and I like the plan early to kind of force feed it to him. And Beck misses a couple of balls down the field, one or two, not a ton, but I still thought he was sharp. I thought he made a couple of nice throws. It's a road SEC win, and you won it by 17. People are going to complain about how it was, how it looked, but I just I didn't come away from this thinking, oh, no, like Georgia's in big trouble. What are we going to do? I have no idea how we're going to be able to look at this team as a national championship contender. Like I just I, I didn't see that. You had a couple fumbles. You had um, you know a couple of things as far as missing those balls down the field. I do think Beck has good pocket presence, and they missed a couple of protections. That's that's got to be that's got to be cleaned up. I thought center Van Prant had a really nice game. The right tackle's got to fix his punch um, in pass protections. Some of the similar stuff we talked about with Alabama, like he's missing on that punch, and it's allowing guys to get past him and be able to be problematic as far as getting pressures. There were some basic twists. Tackle in, in tackle twists that the offensive line kind of missed on and allowed a little bit of pressure, some leakage to come through. They, they can't have that. But again, as long as 22, 23, and 24 are flying around in the secondary the way that they were in this game, they're going to be fine. Like it, it, they flash different guys up front, like 52, 97, 13. They don't have, they don't have the A takeover guy. And that's kind of the way it was a couple of years ago where oh, who's this Devonta Wyatt guy? Like, now he's making plays. Like, what's this Jordan Davis guy? Now he makes a play. That's kind of the way it was then. I'm not saying they're on that level because they're not, but it, it's good to not have to lean on one guy all the time. Like, 32 is really active on the edge. One thing I'm a little concerned about with Georgia is on the edge, they get so aggressive that sometimes contain becomes just a little bit of an issue. It's not, not a big problem, not a massive problem but just a little bit of a problem. And that's where Vanderbilt actually spilled a couple runs out and was able to find some yardage. But once again, um, I'll tell you who I saw like on defense for Vanderbilt, 10 linebacker, he plays hard. And the Vanderbilt defensive line, even though they're just outmanned, they still play hard. Like they, they muck things up, they cause problems, they give you some commotion up there. It's not a ton of one-on-one wins, but if there's one thing that I will say about that program, it was last year and I'm seeing it all this year. Like there's no let up in their fight. Like they go out there and play hard every week. And I respect the hell out of that. So Vanderbilt goes to two and six, Georgia goes to seven and zero. um, not the win that some fans wanted as far as like how dominant it was, but you know, whatever, it's not going to be like that each and every week. It's just not what you're going to get. What you are going to get from uh, Caldera lab is high performance men's skincare products. So you're going to brush your teeth today, right? Yeah. You know that because it's a healthy part of your day. You don't want bad teeth. You want to take it another step. Your skincare habits should probably mirror your teeth habits and your dental habits. So add Caldera to your daily routine. I have, and I promise you I'm never going to go back. Uh, there are a couple of products that I use each and every day just to kind of make sure I'm looking a little bit younger. I'm staying fresh. I'm going to be on the camera all the time. I'm here for you guys on YouTube. Uh, so go with these three products that I go with. The Clean Slate, the Base Layer, and the good. The clean slate starts and ends your day. It's a face wash that leaves all skin types refreshed. All right. So you know you're going to get that and you know you're going to have that right there. Base layer, daily moisturizer that's going to hydrate your skin and jumpstart your day, your confidence, 
and just your face is going to be looking better. I actually love this since I've started using it. They sent me some. And for me, it's something that I feel like I've needed for a long time, and I was just probably never going to go out and do it on my own. But now, thanks to Caldera Lab, I am, and I feel much better. Uh, the good is your go-to multifunctional serum at night. It's going to help your skin look tighter, smoother. You're going to look younger. It's going to reduce the visibility of wrinkles and fine lines. Every drop of this serum is packed with 3.4 million antioxidant units that's going to protect your skin. So do what I did. Go to calderalab.com. Get 20% off with promo code CUBE. That's calderalab.com. Get 20% off with promo code CUBE, C-U-B-E. You can make an unforgettable first impression now when that face is going to look better, cleaner, younger, all thanks to Caldera Lab. They've been great for me, and they will be great for you as well. All right, so let's keep rolling here and going through some of these games, what I saw on film from over the weekend. Auburn LSU, uh, just uh, kind of gross. Uh, worst loss in the history of the series for Auburn. Uh, Auburn gets Ole Miss at home next. They go to 3-3. Three and three. LSU goes to 5-2, and two, and they get Army at home this weekend. We're going to be on the call for that one, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'm beginning to wonder and ask Sears question about how do you defend this offense. And like, there's been some silly comparisons to the 2019 team and the 2019 offense, and I will never go down that path because I covered that team a couple of times and I saw them, and I'm, I'm not going to do that because I don't think that's really smart. Uh, but one thing that I will tell you about, there is one similarity that I've seen, and it's how they just keep hitting you in waves, and they have haymakers that they continue to throw at you. The one thing that I that I like about this LSU team is offensively, if they want to go downhill run game, they can go downhill run game. That offensive line can come off the ball, they can fire off the ball, they can go inside zone, they can go split zone, they can insert and do a lot of different things to even make it look different but run the same play right at you. But that offensive line can get a push, man. I thought left guard had a good game. I think I think Emory's playing really well at right tackle. I thought he had a good game here. And it's one of those situations where they could just be a physical team. Mason Taylor's doing a nice job in the, in the run game. He caught a couple passes too. So they don't just have to be – that type of team, though, with this receiving core. Now, here comes Kyron Lacey. He goes for over 100. He's a freak show wide receiver. And you really have to make decisions on what you're going to defend. Do you have the confidence to come play up on these receivers? If so, good chance you're giving up something down the field. You're going to play off of them? Malik Neighbors will show you. Catch and run. Got it. Boom. It's over. Um, now they have multiple backs. Like 28 gets the ball. It looks like a bulldozer, like a, like a runaway boulder running the football. Um, but Diggs is great at sort of finding that crease and then getting north and south. The offensive line's playing great. John Emery's now getting back in the mix a little bit for this offense. And then we don't even talk about how accurate the quarterback is. His pocket presence, design quarterback runs, and then when he decides to leave, which is the undefendable part of this offense. What do you do? Do you spy? Because we've had teams spy him. And the spies can't even keep up with him. Um, we've had, you know, we've had teams try to pressure him, blitz him, simulated pressures. Doesn't matter. He can get the ball out quick. He can. He's got a tight end he can throw to. He can hit the back out of the backfield. They can run right at you. They can go quarterback draw. He can hurt you. Like, how, do you play four down? You play three down? You trying to rush up field? You trying to get hits on him? Not many people have. The main hits come. They're his fault because when he runs, he doesn't protect himself. Um, I did think the defense was better in this game. Uh, I thought Zion Alexander did some good things. 
Uh, I thought Harold Perkins was active. He crashed some. He played out flat a little bit and was patient, waited on a couple runs out in the flat. Um, I thought one of the better games that we've seen just from a disruptive standpoint from zero on defense. Mason Smith didn't have a ton of tackles, but he changed the course of some runs. He got in the backfield, forced the ball to get out a little bit. So I just thought from an activity standpoint, he had done a little bit more than we had seen the last couple of weeks. And I thought they tackled better. Plain and simple, Auburn did a good job of getting the ball out on the perimeter some, but there was almost no yards after the catch for Auburn's offense. And when the backs were able to bounce outside and find a little bit of space, it closed down pretty quickly. Um, Now, to the Auburn offense. Offensive line, just not good enough. Uh, Giving up too many pressures. Not able to hold their ground. No push in the run game, essentially. And the backs made a lot of stuff happen on their own. Um, You know, I, I did think that Jeremiah Cobb did a nice job with some of the opportunities that he got. Um, you know, Brian Batty had a couple of chances. He he did some good things, but it just was there was almost no consistency, no rhythm, no feel. I thought Freeze did a good job of some of the misdirection stuff that they had to steal the eyes of the LSU defense. It had to be read stuff. It had to be back and forth window dressing, but that's the main reason they got a lot of what they got, and that's scary because if you have to orchestrate everything that you get then what, what's your baseline? What's your foundation? And I think that's where Auburn's in a lot of trouble right now is that their foundation on offense is uncertain. Uh, now, I will say, quarterback got the ball out of his hands. Whew, that was good to see. Like, snap, catch, actually throw the ball. That was good. It's a win. It's a step in the right direction. Hopefully, they can build on that going forward. Fairweather got a couple shots down the field, made a few catches. Uh, but, again, no yards after the catch and weren't able to really create a ton of space to be able to get explosive plays going. That offensive line just wasn't enough. The receivers were in a couple of balls that, listen, we talked about this earlier, contested catches, like go get the football, uh, go make a play. Sometimes it's not going to be a perfect throw. you got to figure that out. Um, that was something that I saw that was a little bit problematic. Um, but either way, it just it, it wasn't where I wanted it. It wasn't what I thought that it needed to be if you were going to find a way to get that win in Baton Rouge. Um, you know, I, I will say that the tight ends did some things to help outside of just catching the football. Physicality was pretty good there. Um, Jarquez, when he got the ball in his hands, you know, ran hard or, or did some good things, helped create a little bit, just didn't get a ton of touches. Um, but I, I, I'm not sure where they go. And I don't want to ask the quarterback question, really, because I feel like that's low-hanging fruit, just easy to go to. But if you get another dynamic playmaker on the field, does it, does it alter the offense enough now where the offset of what you would get the other way doesn't even it out? I, I don't know the answer to that quite yet um, because I think people now have a beat on how to defend it, and it, would be, it wouldn't be as successful as it was last year. But I just – there's part of me that thinks like something needs to change. Uh, Burks on defense, Asante on defense, played their guts out. I thought they played really well. DJ James, I thought, had a really nice game in the secondary. Um, Elijah McAllister did some good things, but then he got lost and contained sometimes. Um, pass rush was not consistent enough from this defensive front. They've got to find different ways to get to the quarterback, and they just don't have it. Like They don't have those guys that can get to the quarterback on a consistent basis, and it's hurting them. 
um, two sacks, and you had three or four right in front of you that you could have had and you couldn't get the quarterback to the ground, and those were basically generated off pressures. So LSU did miss a couple of pressures. That was the one thing that I might nitpick them on a little bit when you're talking about just kind of how this game went from them. So, all right, before we move into South Carolina, Florida, I want to tell you guys about prize picks. Really simple to play. I can make my picks and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. Yes, it's that easy. Prize picks, the most fun I've had, weighing up to 25 times my money this football season. You just like two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and then guess what? You place your entry, and then you just go. Um, you know, This week in prize picks, I'm going Saquon Barkley for more than 60 yards, Patrick Mahomes more than two passing touchdowns, quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, an enormous selection of players and stat types are what makes prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. So get in there and go with prize picks today. Prize picks offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday. Uh, each Tuesday, prize picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value for you. And prize picks now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. Speaking of deposits, how about this? Go to prizepicks.com slash cube, use code cube for a first deposit that's going to be matched up to 100 bucks. So you want to go pay prize picks tonight for Sunday night football or tomorrow for Monday night football when you get some midweek games. I'm going to be Wednesday night, UTEP at New Mexico State. You want to go there at prize picks? Go to prizepicks.com slash cube, use that promo code, deposit 100 bucks, you have 200 to play. It's really easy and you can get going as soon as you make that deposit. Now, you got the app that you can go to as well, or just go to prizepicks.com. Easy to play, and listen, daily fantasy sports made easy at Prize Picks. One more time, if you want to go play, how easy this is, you guys are going to know. It's going to be fun, and you're going to enjoy it. prizepicks.com slash cube, and use code cube to match your first deposit up to $100. All right, South Carolina, Florida. Florida gets out of there 41-39. What a game. Um, Graham Mertz, 30 of 48, 423, three touchdowns, no picks. Some people have been saying he's been playing well all year. This is the offense. This is what it's going to look like. So there's no big takeaway to how it was different this week or any other week. It's all married together. It is a lower risk offense, which means it's not shot play after shot play. It doesn't rely on those. The run game is the run game. Now, you'll put some window dressing on it with a jet sweep, or you'll split zone it, or you'll have a boot off of it. You can RPO some things. But this is how the offense operates, and Mertz is doing a great job with it. I thought the backs ran well. ETN caught the ball well, threw the ball well, ran the ball well. Montrell ran the ball well. He is so smooth, man. Like Montrell Johnson just needs more love in general. Um, whether it's bouncing out to the outside, understanding where a crease is, putting that foot in the ground, getting north and south. I just think he's a vastly underrated tailback in this league. The Florida offensive line was good. Uh, I did think they had some breakdowns in protection. Um, like Jordan Strand had, uh, Strawn had a couple of nice pass rush moves, but then he went away at times. Boogie Huntley shows up every now and then, but he kind of goes away. The consistent pass rush from South Carolina was not there, and definitely not late when they had to have it in those must-have moments when Florida's trying to go down and win this game. The tip pass is the tip pass, man. I don't believe in luck in football. I just don't. I think you create your own luck, and I think it's based on percentages of what's more likely to have, less likely to have. The intended result of that play was to throw the football, to catch the football, and get into the end zone or get a first down. 
That's what happened, just not the exact way they intended it. So I did see some really good things from South Carolina in this game. Nicholas Harbour got him a catch. So he gets going. Everybody's been wanting that. Been worried about that deal. Mario Anderson looked fantastic. The stretch play was going. They had the zone play dialed up. Uh, I thought the centering guards played pretty good. Tree was really good at left tackle in the run game. Still some struggles in pass pro. Now, you get Princely over there. He's a lighter edge guy that's really quick and twitchy. He had some problems with him in this game. So that's where one year you're going to probably need to give him some help. Trey Knox, I thought, helped in the run game a little bit. Did a nice job sitting down in zone coverage. Did a really nice job on scramble drill, the one touchdown that he caught right there. And Spencer Rattler still playing excellent football, man. Like 23 of 30, 313, four touchdowns and a pick. First South Carolina player with 300 yards and four touchdowns in a game against Florida ever. It's never happened before. Uh, but nine penalties for 82 yards for the Gamecocks. That's not going to get it done. Mario Anderson, 20 for 98. I love the way he ran the football. Joyner ran hard a couple of times when he had the opportunities. Xavier Leggett, the guy's a freak show, man. Like, he's unbelievable. And he was unbelievable again. Uh, five catches, 110 yards, going up in traffic. I love how they tried to force feed in the football. You see what I'm talking about, these things with, like, Anaya Smith and some of those other guys. Xavier Leggett's like 6'4", 230. And they got him on jet sweeps. They're trying to make sure he gets touches, especially at critical points in the game. I love that from Dow Loggins. The offensive line is still not great, but they're, they're working around it. Rattler under pressure a little bit, but he can move and still complete passes. Um, I saw a lot of good things from Carolina here. It's just you got to get a stop late, and you can't let that happen at home. And the execution at certain points in times, there were certain things that I thought were supposed to be happening and then just didn't happen from this team. Um, most of that on defense. And, you know, you just had a couple costly mistakes. But I thought the kids played hard, and you were in a position to win that game. You just you got three and a half minutes left, and you got to shut that thing down. And you couldn't get it done. Um, I thought there were a couple defensive players for Florida that really showed up in this game as well that I was pretty impressed with. Uh, I mentioned Princely. He played well. 88 did some good things in this game. Cam Jackson inside was pretty stout against the run. Love some of the things that he does. Six as a blitzer was pretty good. Coming downhill, he was nice. There was a late pressure from 19 that ended up being big for that Florida defensive line. Uh, there was a first down with just like right around three minutes left where 94 comes flat down the line of scrimmage and makes a play. That was huge for the Florida defense coming from that backside. Like he had to have that at that moment. So Austin Armstrong brought pressure. They put pressure on him. Sometimes it worked. Sometimes it didn't. But late, that front seven made plays when they absolutely had to. So I thought that was good. We got another great week of games coming up this weekend. We always appreciate you guys tuning into the show. At Cube Show 61 on YouTube. Please follow along there. Um, At Cube Show on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us there. Please go follow. We always appreciate that. Thank you for the support. Last week's episode didn't do so great. We're hoping this one bounces back, and we will absolutely catch up with you again next week. Remember, I got LSU Army this week, Wednesday night, New Mexico State at UTEP. I think that's a 9 o'clock kick Eastern on ESPN2. I get my time zones mixed up because I'm going to be in three time zones this week. It's going to be really weird. But thank you guys for all the support. Go check out our sponsors, and we'll see you next week.
The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.